Welcome to True News 365. Check out truenews365.com for more podcasts, videos, blogs, and commentary from a Christian and biblical worldview perspective. All right, people. It's True News 365. Thanks for joining me once again. I'm going to um, cover this whole controversy that's going on with um, Alistair Begg. Okay, I said, okay, you know what? We we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk about this because I mean I, I looked around and everybody's jumping on him and this comment it really brings people by surprise because he was a pretty um, uh, staunch reformed Bible teacher for decades. So that's why it caught people off guard that he would have this very typical liberal view on um, on this stance, you know. And th- I mean, it's not like this. This conversation has been hasn't been going on for some time. It, I mean, I honestly, I don't, I don't get it. Why, where, where, at what point did he decide he, um, he was going to turn left <laughs> just out of nowhere? And so I found online everybody's criticizing, everybody's saying, you know, this is, you know, it's wrong what he's doing, whatever. And then I found one guy who actually is trying to defend them, okay? And I'm like, okay, uh, let's listen to these arguments. And it's like, okay, so he's one guy who's trying to defend them, and he sees some kind of honor in what he's doing and why he's doing it, and he's kind of, you know, finding some sensitivity. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But then I said, okay, well, but see, the thing is that he's using... He's going to use the Bible to justify why, why he's defending Alistair Begg in that comment. Alistair Begg not only says go go to the wedding, but not only that, but go and encourages to bring a gift. Okay? So because so many people are talking about it, I want to take a different twist to it. You know, I want to take a different twist to it. I don't want to just repeat the same old, same old that everyone else is talking about. So... I kind of want to, basically, I want to tag behind them and do a commentary as as far down the road as I can. And just um, so that you can see that he's trying to use uh, Bible for this, to say that that he, um, that it's okay for for him to support Alistair Begg in this comment and this. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. Um, He uses um, Romans 14 for this. Okay, uh, Romans, he's going to go into Romans 14, 1 through 8, and then 17 through 18. And I believe he also uses, uh, he goes to uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 to 31. Okay, he's going to go on there. And, and it's like, no, it just, no, no. And the best way to counter that is to uh, basically just tag behind him and what he's saying. Listen to him, his name. He comes from his YouTube page is called Kingdom Discipleship. I don't know what his actual name is, but it's just, it's on YouTube. You'll find it. And the title is Alistair Begg Was Right, A Conversation of Non-Biblical Weddings. Okay? And um, he doesn't come off as being like a, 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 a liberal a Christian, but he definitely has a liberal Christian point on here. So I don't know this guy other than the fact that uh, I came across him on the internet uh, uh, defending Alistair Begg in this decision. Uh, let's 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 hear him. Um, and he has been been hard 
ridiculed in a very hard and I believe inappropriate way. Um, and I believe I'm going to teach from the scriptures today as to why Alistair Begg was right in his stance of what he said to that grandmother who was struggling to go or whether or not she should go. She was actually convinced she shouldn't go to her grandson's transgender wedding. And, and, and Alistair Begg uh, spoke to her with humility and grace and what I believe to be insight and understanding as to why indeed she should go. And he gave very clear explanations of that. And when I heard what he said, again, if someone had come to me and asked me that question, I would have said something very similar, okay? Um, so again, we've never done a teaching like this, okay? Um, there are men out there and women who certainly believe it's their job uh, to critique what, what other Christians are doing and what they're doing wrong. Um, and there certainly is a place to correct um, error in teaching and doctrine. We don't, we don't believe that's our call at Kingdom Discipleship. Um, here, you know, I didn't realize I was so angry. I was emotional listening to these things. I didn't realize that I liked this man that much. <laughs> he doesn't know me. I don't know him. We're a very small ministry, right? Um, All right. Let's see. Let's see if we can get to one of his mains point. He's got a bullet point here, um, timestamp, saved by the grace of Jesus. Let's go there. If you listen to what Alistair Begg said, he said something profound before he gave her, before he, uh, you know, regarding, you know, people who are transgender. Okay, so so just in case, I know there's a lot of commentary on there, but just to to the gist to have an idea of what exactly Alistair Begg said. He said a lady came to him and was talking to her, her uh, a son or a grandson uh, and she wanted to support um, rather he wanted her to support him in some wedding and it's a transgender wedding. I don't know <clears throat> the ins and outs as whether he's the transgender or the other person is a transgender um, the, the partner um and when I say transgender, I, I mean I say that loosely because it's a cultural, it's a cultural identification. It doesn't, in my opinion, it does not exist. And biblically, it does not exist. There's no such thing as transgendering, a transgender, um, moving on from one sex to to the other. No one can actually do that. It's a it's a stance in in rebellion to God. It's a stance in in, in denial and of 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 biological science, and the culture would say otherwise. But that's to to, to understand it. So she she decided, she called or left a letter or something like that, communicated with Alistair Begg, and Alistair Begg decided, he said that he, if as long as the, the grandson understands her where she stands, it's enough. That she should go, it's okay to go, and bring him, bring them a gift and represent herself at the wedding. Okay? And on, on a one side of, of that, we understand the love behind it. We understand the concern. We understand all that. But there's a greater side that's got way more weight. It's got more eternal weight. It's got more weight in reality. It's got more weight in spirituality. It's got more weight in, you know, in the actual walk and reality of, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the gospel. Okay? It, just to get you to understand th that there is 
a weight behind this. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So, so let's see if, um, uh, let, let's, let's, um, let that from, from that point on, she, he gave, he gave her the go ahead to, to, that she could do that. And now she, he's literally, he's doubled down on it afterwards, making that comment. And after receiving criticism, he's been kicked out of, uh, um, programs already that he's involved in, uh, speaking on radio and on, and, um, and I, I, I believe with good reason, I believe with good reason that he needs to be kicked out of there. Uh, and the thing is that the man is a seasoned, uh, pastor, teacher, Bible teacher. Okay. And so this man here from kingdom discipleship is coming to his defense and he's going to tell you why. And people who are in homosexuality. <clears throat> and he made the point that save the grace of our God, save the grace of Jesus. If not for the mercy of my King Jesus, Okay, and now I'm certainly adding to what he said now, but this was the heart of what he was saying. Um, we would all be the same way. Okay, if not for the mercy of Christ, you or I or any of us, okay, could have homosexual desires. Okay, um, that is extremely true to the highest, that breaks the scale of truthness, but it's not in the context, okay, because um, that doesn't mean that we go back to bank robbery okay uh that doesn't mean that we go and we uh, and we say okay well i i i'm o i'm gonna okay my cousin who's a bank robber by night and say i was there i i used to do that too so i understand perfectly well if you have to do this then you know well that's exactly what what what's going on here you you can understand that that's how we were we were there yes but that doesn't mean that we encourage people to continue being there. That now the encouragement is for the person to come out of it because you understand the the, the road that you're on, the the, the you know the sadness that's going to come as a result of it, right? And so uh, this is a, I'm not I hope he's I, I'm not going to say that he's purposely appealing to emotionality, but you know by effect that's exactly what the result of, of that is. Because just because, you know, we recognize the grace of God doesn't mean that we encourage. And to stand in a ceremony like that is to encourage. Okay? And I'm sorry. It's to, it's to encourage the ceremony. It's to encourage what's going on. And in the light of what marriage actually truly is, um, you compromise personally between you and your God. That's what you're doing. Plus, you're... Um, you're, 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 comp you're compromising on the person that you love so much as to lie to them. You're, you're, it's, it's not helping them. That's the thing. It's not, you think it's helping them. You think it's, no, it's not. Could fall in homosexual sin and could desire to be in the transgender community, if not for the grace of Jesus. Now to be clear, okay. I am an orthodox evangelical, okay? You can go back and look at the series we did on Romans. We taught uh, verse by verse expository teaching through the entire book of Romans. I think it was 50 teachings through the 16 chapters of Romans. I used to listen to Alistair Begg a whole lot. 
and his um on the um uh he was always on i don't know i'm wondering if he's still there if that's affiliated with the program that let him go uh uh uh, uh reform net it's the the internet app i love that ref refnet refnet i think it's called and it's awesome and he was always teaching from there chapter one there are five teachings and you can see a full-blown 30-minute teaching on the scriptures right there in verse 26 of Romans 1. Um, I don't have it in front of me. I don't use notes. Um, and, you know, you'll see a plain teaching on, on, the, on, on what the Bible teaches on homosexuality. Lifestyle of homosexuality is sin. Okay. A lifestyle of living in transgender sexuality is sin. It is sexual immorality. And it isn't pleasing to our Heavenly Father, to Jesus Christ, our Lord, or to the Holy Spirit. You've heard me say this hundreds of times. We have one God, one being, three distinct, separate individual persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's sin. Now, it's not greater sin than heterosexual immorality. Okay, now, the problem with that is that um, he's, he's, he's got a point there. The problem is that we've got precedent of Romans 1. We've got precedent of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. We've got precedent of, of, of all of that. And so there is such thing as greater sin, certain sins being greater than other sins. Okay, so I'll leave it to the brothers and the sisters to go search the scriptures and to answer that question because I th- I believe the man here is wrong. I believe that, like for instance, homosexuality is, is a sin that, that the Bible clearly states is unnatural. It's unnatural. And even though it's unnatural to the spiritual order of God for a man to cheat on his wife or to uh, entertain with uh, prostitutions, as it says in the scriptures that that the man is is joining himself with a prostitute and that is also unnatural to the spirituality of things but this sin is also unnatural to the physical order of things okay so i believe that it could be said that this sin is toheva abomination the way the Bible declares it. And I believe that the language of the scriptures demonstrate that there's something about the sin that is greater than heterosexual sin. It, it, it is, even though they're all sin. I mean, a bite of an apple or a fruit uh, catapulted the whole world into, into, into the darkness that we see. But this, in, in context, in biblical context, I believe, has precedent that all other sins do not have. Okay, so when a man and a woman are living together and having sexual relations um, outside of marriage, that is equally sinful before our Heavenly Father, okay? One sin is not worse than the other before God. I will say that homosexual sin and transgender sin is farther away from, from the light 
from the biblical mandate so it can have greater negative consequences on our life. But make no mistake, biblically, homosexual sin, transgender sin is not greater than sexual immorality by heterosexuals. I disagree, and I believe the Bible de demonstrates that it is. All right. That's the clear teaching of what the scripture teaches. Okay. Um, when To listen again to what Alistair Begg said, um, again, uh, he was, he was, he was, he was recalling when he had spoken to a, a concerned grandmother who was, who was believed she should not go to her, her transgender grandson's wedding. And he asked her very pointedly, do you believe, does he know, does your grandson know what you believe about Jesus and that, and the gospel? And that Jesus Christ is the, the son of God. And I'm, para, I'm paraphrasing all this here, okay? But d d does your grandson basically understand your beliefs about Christ, okay? And the will of Christ, and the heart of Christ? The grandmother said yes. He then asked her very eloquently something to the effect of, does your grandson understand that you cannot countenance this wedding Right. Based on your firm beliefs in the word of God and the son of God. And she said, yes, he does. So you understand what that means? He, he basically asked her, does your grandson know your position on this? Does he know that you don't believe in this? Does he know that that you believe this is wrong and not of God? And the grandmother said, yes. OK, so first of all, biblically speaking, all that is true, okay? Um, a homosexual lifestyle, again, is wrong. It's not the will of God, okay? It's sin. A transgender lifestyle is wrong. It's not the will of God. It's sin. A man and a woman having sexual relations outside of marriage or in an adulterous they don't believe that, okay? People who are getting... So his argument is here, A, does, 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 the, does, the, the, does the, the grandson know that what you believe and that you believe that this is sin, right? So they're not, the knowledge of the grandson, despite the fact that they're going on with it, and then he says, B, that they don't believe this. Obviously not, because they're going through with it, right? They're going through with the ceremony. And so they think that, that his argument is because he knows where you stand and because he, this, per, this grand, grandson, grandchild does not believe it, that that, that makes even a difference, okay? It, it doesn't make a difference if the grandparent is going to, to continue to physically support, because they're physically supporting and morally, support, they're supporting by being there, by 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 showing up, because this is like, this is it's like this is like, well, the person um, calling you to to be the driver in one of their hit and runs or one of their uh, a, 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 a drive-by shooting. Now, do you believe? Do you know that I don't believe in drive-by shootings because I am Christian, and and um, 
and I, and, and I know you believe that drive-by shootings are okay. The grandson believes that drive-by shootings are okay, but they know that the person that they need to drive is Christian, but they're going to do it anyway. You see what I'm saying? See, see what's wrong with that? Because, because it, it not, not only does it, um, not only does it now water down the whole fact that you disagree with this lifestyle, it, it matters nothing that you disagree with this lifestyle if you're not going to stand up for it. The Paul spoke about this all the time. He said, you know, talking about when he's speaking about, you know, will they stand? Will you stand on that day? You know, when that temptation comes to you, that's, that's what it's all about. Okay. And in the first century, there were many who did not take that, that did take the pinch, right? There were many, we, we didn't hear about them, but they were many. In fact, who knows if there were more, possibly more than the ones who decided not to and and so be fed by fed to the lions right in in the first century so but the thing is is that it's not that I want to be hard on the sensitivity of this parent because obviously they called Alistair Begg and so Alistair Begg um uh miss let me see how can I how can I put this Alistair Begg compromised in his advice as a teacher, in my opinion, in my biblical opinion. And and now and he and he advised her to compromise on her personal stance with God, right? To someone who needed to see uh her to stand despite all these things. So when it says uh, love God and put him first. The first commandment is love God with all your might, soul, strength, heart and strength, right? And so that's why it, the Bible says that God is a jealous God. He says, no one shares my glory. He says, um, and then Jesus says, um, I came to bring a sword. Why did he say that? I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. That sword is to divide. And then he goes into the dividing of even family members, father and mother. Oh my goodness. I mean, and then he says, you're either for me or against me. It, it, you know, and then it's, it, you know, it's, and then it says, you're either gathering or scattering. So it's, it, it's a, it's a, it's a really bad situation. That someone would do that, and and but the the man has some good arguments. His arguments are definitely arguments that get you to think, and get you to think, and he will push it to the limit. Okay, so I also understand where this man is coming from with these arguments. But these are things that we as Christians and we don't often do, and we need to do it more often. Is consider what does count the cost mean. When, it, when you read it in the Bible, what does that mean? What does take up your own cross mean, right? In the, in, in the context of the New Testament, they were being led to the slaughter. They were being persecuted. They were being run out of town. They, yes, but that is the extreme of persecutions that starts as marginalization. It, it starts at mockery, it starts at ignoring, it starts at 
at many levels and ends up in overt persecution, like the stuff we're seeing in Nigeria, we're seeing in India, certain parts of India, and in various, many parts of the world, in like 20 different nations of the world where uh, Voice of the Martyrs has documented so much persecution of Christians. And it's a continuum line as in terms of severity. So to say, well, you can't compare it to the New Testament because they were, the Paul's language is talking about them being uh, persecuted. Yeah, but persecution starts, it's a continuum line that grows. And trust me, our line, our continuum line in the Western world continues to grow. And it's not going to stay the same, right? Married um, as homosexuals or transgenders, they don't believe what we do. Okay. They're not believing what we do doesn't mean we get to 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 flounder on what we do believe. If anything, the demonstration of our commitments to what we believe by standing firm and against these things that we're seeing that it's growing constantly in our society. And, disrupt, and disrupting and destroying many institutions in, in education, in the law. This is a, a result of being pushed in the closet for Christians. And so to continue with the argument about, well, they're not going to believe. Well, of course they're not going to believe. But that's the whole idea. You know, if, and if you don't stand then your neighbor isn't going to stand. Your, your, your brothers and sisters in your congregation aren't going to stand. Then what's going to happen is, is a, uh, a wave of cowardice, a, a wave of inability to stand for what one believes. This stuff is contagious. But when love, true love, cast out all fear, when true love for the well-being of the individual, even to the point of hurting their feelings, okay, when you do that, then the person says, this has to be real. Because, and, and the grandchild sh has to know, should know, that their love for God has to come first. They should know that by now. It should have been, it should have been understood that this, this is what comes first, not just for him or her, whoever the grandchild is, but you have to know that that you have to know that your family member, your friend, or whatever, is going to put God before you if you get out of line. Okay, that's the way it's supposed to be represented by true love. Okay, they don't believe that. So, so are we to to completely lift our nose? And say, because you don't believe exactly... Okay, the lifting the nose part, we're going to lift our nose. That that right there sounds really liberal. That's, that sounds leftist to me. That's a, that's a... For him, okay? That makes... That's hap, that You should not have put that there because, <clears throat> because you stand... So that means that all those people that got chomped up by lions... Okay, in Rome, that they were just thinking they were better than those who, just because they wouldn't take a little pinch, okay, of incense. 
Okay, so he should really retract that, and he should not use that language if he's a Christian. As we do, and we do hold firmly to these truths, okay? And I'm going to get into my weddings. and See, but, but that's the point. We hold firmly to these truths, so then why don't you stand for them? That's the point. Things like that. But because we don't hold to these truths... We cannot associate you with any associate with you in any manner or any way because somehow by our presence among you at a wedding or a dinner or anything, somehow we are affirming your choices. This can he can only speak this way because he's minimizing the sin. He already said from the beginning that all sin is the same. Okay, so a little a white fib is the same thing as, uh, you know, as um, pedophilia, okay? Uh, you have to reconsider that. You have to reconsider that. Um, and so now, because of that understanding, now he's going, going down sliding on the rest of his discernment or uh, a discrimination of these things where he where he can think that well if you refuse you're 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 being high and mighty you're not being humble you're being the opposite so thinking that it it's at all easy recognizing that we have a lost grandchild that's a nightmare for a true christian that's a nightmare that's a that's something to toss and turn about to know that certain family members don't know christ okay so uh, we have to watch the language uh, because when you stand, you, you, you're being the utmost of humble. You're being the utmost of loving because you're willing to, you know, offend even the closest family members for the sake of Christ. If after all, what did Christ do for you except hang on the cross and uh, take on all of your sins and cast them as far as the East is from the West. Okay. That's absurd. Okay. And, and, and I don't believe that's the heart of Christ. And, and, and Alistair Begg was eloquently addressing this. And for whatever reason, I cannot understand. And hopefully again, um, you know, uh, pastors and teachers that understand what I'm saying and have far more reach than I do will be coming out in defense of what he did and the propriety of it. Okay. Um, so again, how do we deal with people that the Lord brings into our life who know where we stand on these issues, as I've just laid out, I think unambiguously, and yet they don't believe in the same way. Do we just it all depends on the issue. It really does. And that's why, yeah, we, this is a good conversation for churches, for, for pastors, for, um, the saints to get together and we realize okay how do we how do we how do we respond to people who who want to drink and want to party who want to dress a certain way who want to wear a certain you know and all that yes that those are conversations that come to the table among brothers and sisters in the congregation in order to organize our thinking and recognize and where do we look for the discernment in all of these things, in the interpretation, and in the delving of the Word of God. That's the only place we'll be able to do it, right? But we can't compromise 
we can't compromise and 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 we have to be able to do now he did it as well uh to be fair to this gentleman he did it in romans 14 and in first corinthians but i believe he did it wrong i don't know if he's a leader in his in his in his congregation i don't know if he everyone in his congregation feel the same way um he should have had a before he publicly spoke this way he should have had uh consensus with his congregation and his people and his following in 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 his um christian fellowship uh hopefully he's not a rogue christian just blabbing all this uh this um this information right uh hopefully not but uh i think he's wrong in many of his points just have nothing to do with them we just we we can't show up at, at anything at any dinner at you know at any celebration again he can talk this way because he just finished saying that all sin is the same okay and from that context if all sin is the same then you have to treat things the same all things have to be the same but is it the same it's not the same spiritually it's not the same biblically it's not the same um politically okay we're seeing a revolution going on unless we've been living under a rock. And this is what is being used as the tool to demonstrate, to, to show. That would take a huge podcast to demonstrate how this, this specific sin is t taking on not only and uh, attacking the church, attacking reality, attacking uh, 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 science, attacking the educational system, the court system. You, you name it. And that you cannot lump in with every other sin. The last two weddings I've done, I've been convinced. The two people that asked me to do the weddings, they were devout Christians. I explained to them that in the beginning of the wedding, I'm going to ask them, I'm going to have them confess, and I'm going to articulate the gospel for everyone to hear so that they can affirm that... Okay, so, all right, all that being said, um, now I'm going to go through some scriptures to help those understand why I believe Alistair Begg was right in what he said, okay? Why his advice was proper and why it wasn't a compromise, okay? I'm going to start out with Romans 14, verses 1 to 8. Romans 14, verses 1 to 8, okay? Paul is dealing with food issues here but there are principles in these issues okay so he's gonna go into that's basically it right there he's talking about food and he's but we can take out these principles and indeed we can when you go to romans 14 i can pull it up here as well this is romans no romans 14 do not pass judgment on one another Okay, starting from one, now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on opinions. Okay, one person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats must not view the one who does not eat with contempt. And the one who does not eat must not judge the one who eats for God accepted him. Okay, so... I mean, I can't even go further because when it comes to this issue, okay, 
you cannot use this because what what is the context? And I reached out to this gentleman and I told him on his page to, to kind of shorten this up. Okay, so I wrote, reconsider this. In the text concerning the judgment of eating the meal, there's no actual sin taking place. Um, I put in commas, only in the conscience of the new convert. But in the example of the wedding, the ceremony is taking place. It indeed is sin and you're partaking in it. The watchman has just fallen off the wall. Okay? He wrote to me, Hey, Troon. Okay? You should have wrote True News 365. It's the same here. The conscience of the convert. You see? He says it's the same here. The conscience of the convert. Right. If your conscience condemns you, you don't go to the ceremony. See, you don't go if the conscience condemns you. But that's not what Paul is talking about here. Okay? That's not what Paul is talking about here. In this example, in Romans 14, he's, he, Paul is giving them the advice of whether he can go or he cannot go, right? So he goes, remember, they are not married before God. The wedding means nothing before Jesus. Yes, it does. It does mean something before Jesus. What does it mean? It doesn't mean something blessed. It means something cursed. And their judgment for instance, they're only being fattened for the slaughter because what they're doing is an evil ceremony. Okay? That's like giving advice to say, well, look, my son, you're saying that you're going to kill your enemy and you're asking me for my blessing. Okay? Uh, I say don't do it, but if you're going to do it, oh, well, it's up to you, you know, whatever. No. Okay? The sin itself is going to catapult or be used against them in the eternal. They will be judged. Okay, whether or not he he or she believes this, you are participating and encouraging it by merely attending it. He writes, they are not married before God. The wedding means nothing before Jesus. There is no sacredness, no picture of our union with Jesus. It's meaningless. What does, what does have meaning is his grief and concern for their souls, not a worldly, unbiblical wedding. Again, this is the real problem. True News 365. We care more about protecting marriage than the souls of men and women heading to hell. Blessings in Jesus. His name is John Morton. Okay, he's on his page. Okay. So I appreciate that he's writing this, but it's it's just really really wrong. It says we we he says we care more about protecting marriage. Why we we care about protecting marriage? Because we see people are twisting it <clears throat> and blaspheming God and do it and 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 adding more condemnations to themselves because of this. You know? Whether you allow Elvis to marry you, or however you uh, defile the perfect symbolic representation of the holy matrimony or the the intimacy between Christ and His Church, because that's what marriage is. You can't belittle this. 
it is a big deal. And he does care. And this will be added on to him or the grandchild because of their perversion of God's institution. Okay? It's not that we're caring about the construct marriage, quote-unquote. It's about the act of it and what's going on and the meaning and the symbolic and spirituality behind all of that. People, we have to be a little bit more deep, okay? Um, I wrote back to him and I put, there is no sacredness, no picture of our union with Jesus. It's meaningless, quote unquote. Did you really write this? And he didn't write back to me. But, I mean, like it's been said, theology really does matter, folks. Okay? So, let's... let's let, I don't want to continue for uh, too much longer, but let's listen to how he exegetes and continues to exegete um, Romans 14. That we need to understand, okay? There are principles in these issues that we need to understand. And listen. I have used Romans 14 um, to, to, to pluck out those, those, um, those principles with regard to, to less essential doctrine right? Less essential doctrine. Now, you know that I believe that those who, who recognize the essentials of the Christian faith, the gospel, the trinity, who God is, who we are, our fallenness, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, etc., etc., et these things are essential. But let's say eschatology. Eschatology can affect your theology, but by and, by and large, it's what's considered not that it's ascent, it's non-essential or secondary but it's considered less uh, or at a lower um level of of essential than the the main things the 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 the, the essentials of the christian faith for salvation right and so i've used that before but in this case it's it's out of context because the person is in current sin and they're in a current ceremony that's sinful and it doesn't matter whether that person understands that you know this is sin it doesn't matter it's a crime happening it's it's something that's happening that needs to be taken a whole lot more serious listening to again several of the people and again i'll pick on james white um, because again, he, he's bold in what he believes. I've learned, I've learned a lot from James White. Okay. Um, interestingly, I'm not reformed. Alistair Begg is reformed. All That's why many people are falling backwards because the reformed usually have a well-refined theology and hermeneutic. And, um, the fact that Alistair Begg can come with this. And then I heard later on, and I have to speak only lightly about this, someone saying something about a book that, that somehow that, that is associated with Alistair Begg, whether it's his book, I'm not too sure on that. But I pray to, to the Lord Almighty that this ha doesn't have something to do with this book or trying to promote this book. I, I'm not going to say that it does, okay? 
but God forbid that it does. Um, I've I've recently seen pastors and teachers do this, where they'll pick up on a controversy, and then I'll find out later that they have a book coming out with a related subject. And I'm like, oh, that is like, what? That's tasteless. And my goodness, could not could they not? And these are seasoned people, seasoned Christians. And I'm like, wow, this is insane. Um, yeah. All the guys I just mentioned, save Charles Stanley, okay, are hard Calvinist, reformed, doctrine of grace guys, okay? Um, you know, you know, you know, I've studied for, for 26, 27 years fairly intently these secondary doctrines of election and predestination. Secondary means they're not essential to salvation. Primary doctrines are doctrines that are essential. And that is one of the, the those secondary issues that I will not stop fellowship for. Just because you're not reformed like I am, I'm not going to... In fact, I worship with many Arminian brothers. Okay, I'm not part of a reformed church, but I hold to the reformed faith. And so but it, and, and, and so that's where Romans 14 fits well in terms of the principle, right, uh, of secondary issues. But this, my friend, this ain't one of them. This is taking over our nation. We're literally seeing this. This and the woke, the wokeness that's taking over our our, our churches has already swallowed whole. I mean, you have physical uh, example of the rot that's being set because of this. So, how someone could encourage the continued um, compromising to it? especially a seasoned Bible teacher like Alistair Begg, it just, it's got everybody taken by surprise. Essential to salvation. Secondary doctrines are not essential to salvation, but they are in judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man. Notice how he's talking about um, God is, is able to make him stand. What does that mean, stand? Stand in the truth, right? Well, He's able to stand in what truth? Okay, you're going to judge a brother. He's demonstrating, this brother This brother is demonstrating that he's not standing for the truth. Okay, so that, that, that's, that demonstrates that even more so, that these are, that Paul is demonstrating that this is a, um, a secondary issue, especially coming from the, the distinctions between the old covenant and the new covenant, and the dietary laws, and all of these things uh, moving forward, and so Paul does an, an amazing thing to try to teach us and to demonstrate to us uh, uh, the importance of these things, right? But uh, this is this does not fit. 
this does not fit because this is not, um, this is a clear compromise with regard to the church, with regard to uh, uh, the one's faith, you know? Uh, and then if it's not, then where would you argue is the point at which you would stand and you would say, oh, I can't right here. I can't right now. I can't do this. I got to stop. You know, at what point will you, you know, so. And considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord for he gives. And like I said, again, it, this speaks directly to that, those distinctions of, of moving from the uh, old covenant to the new covenant. And so that's why it's something that, you know, does not have to separate brotherhoods. Okay. That is why, but, but the, the, um, the issue of homosexuality is something that has been dealt with since, you know, the law of Moses and is well established. That's not something in, in the same category as what Paul is talking about in terms of these secondary issues. And you can't claim that it is. It's, the, it's just far reaching. Gives thanks to God and he who, who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, Jesus. And if we die, we die to the Lord, Jesus. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord, Jesus. Why am I using this scripture? Okay. Um, Except him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith, verse two, allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. There is a depth to what Alistair Begg said to this grandmother. What Alistair Begg explained to her was that by, by forcing, tangibly forcing her convictions on her grandson, the, the idea, the idea that this person in this rebellion would, would consider, um, like, to, in reality, the, um, her convictions are not forcing. She's not forcing anybody. He's involved in an absolute rebellion. He's not going to, he's not going to let go uh, or come to Christ okay, because of her convictions, you know, it, it's not a, it's not a, a game of chicken here. It's not a game of chicken. It's basically of what, it, what, what's your authority? God's word uh, or, or what, or the culture, okay? And, and, and just completely saying, I cannot go to that wedding, that, that all that's really going to happen is, is that, her grandson and all the people there will just be more deep rooted in the fact that, that we really don't love them. We're not. Wow. This, this is why this man is, is able, he keeps slipping and he keeps tripping down the road. Okay. This is why, why, why does uh, Joe Biden uh, literally fall going up the stairs? I'm not talking about down the stairs. Why does he fall going up the stairs? Because the man is confused. The man is not well, right? Okay, so 
this this gentleman keeps he keeps making he makes these mistakes and his judgments are wrong because his theology there's something going on with his theology he's now saying that if we stand for Christ we're demonstrating that we don't love the world if we don't partake in sin that's what basically what he's saying and to be there in a ceremony that's blasphemous to the institution of the spiritual intimacy between Christ and his church, which is only the tip of the pin in description of what marriage actually is. It represents our very salvation. Most of these institutions, most of these things that we do, literally point back to the meat and potatoes of our our salvation. Like the Beth, the death, burial, and resurrection goes straight to our salvation. Um, baptism goes directly to our salvation. Marriage directly to our salvation. All of these institutions, all of these, these things that God has given us point towards our relationship with him. These things cannot be perverted, you know? And so she has a utmost understanding, but... In his rebellion, naturally, he's not going to understand because he's he or she are in rebellion. Okay? But that has nothing to do with you. You know, that has to do with them. So why would you put yourself in a point, in a place where not just he or she, the, the grandchild, is offending God, but now you're going to offend God by partaking in it, Right? So there's problems to go all around. There's problems between you and your own intimacy with God. Alistair Begg and his bad advice, okay? And the the soul who's in rebellion who's going to go along with that type of wedding, right? So what about what about that person's love for his grandmother? No one seems to be talking about that. Right? That's why would he allow, you know, forget the culture. Forget what the culture is going to think about, you know, her. What about her creator? What would her creator think about her if he compromised? Why would he, if he if he loved his grandmother, put her at odds with her very creator and her uh, spiritual convictions? That to me is more cruel. We always look the, the leftists, the, the, the liberals can only see, and I, I might have cha- to change my mind concerning this guy. I think maybe he is just a liberal uh, um, theology person because, you know, his arguments just reek of liberalism. And so he says that he studies in Reformed theology, but the Reformed theology doesn't give room for this type of bad discernment not even willing to associate with them. We can't tolerate them because they don't believe the way we do. See, that his call, his accusation of saying, well, we cannot tolerate them. You know, we can't associate with them. That's not, that's not true. That's not true. You have to pick your battles. You have to, you have to have, it depends on your convictions and your understanding of scripture, where that is. Okay? It's obvious that this man would attend a gay 
uh, or rather um, homosexual wedding, he, he would affirm it, not to, uh, to appease the world. You're appeasing them, so you're appeasing the world. You're appeasing the world, you're appeasing the culture, you're appeasing, you know, all eyes are on you. That's not a light on a, a shining on a hill. He, he thinks that the light shining on a hill is a person who affirms all sin, because I could say all sin because he thinks all sin, uh, they all, they're all just as uh, uh, sinful in the eyes of God. That's what he said. He believes that. So, so his idea of a shining light on a hill is looking just like the world and appeasing the world and affirming what the world affirms. Where, where does that end? Okay, it ends at apostasy. Now remember, Beg made it clear that, that, that her grandson know. That's irrelevant, whether her, his, her grandson knows it. He's willing to put her, thr- throw her under, under the bus. That's basically what he's doing. Okay, and nobody seems to care about her convictions to the creator of heaven and earth. They only seem to care about his feelings. And that's popular in this culture. And this gentleman doesn't see it. Her firm beliefs on the fact that this is not biblically appropriate or pleasing to Christ. Okay? So, when going to these things, okay, would I go, yes, I would. Why? Because if anyone knows me, or even what you've listened to so far... Everyone would know that I was there. I have no doubt that everyone would know that grandmother at the wedding. So why would you feel like you need to prove anything to the world? Why don't you prove something to God? Right? Prove, prove to God. Forget about the world and the culture. Okay? The culture isn't catching you lying. Isn't catching you stealing. Isn't catching you, you know, uh, sinning. But you're not going to turn this into a sin. Oh, they're unloving. They're sinning. They're they're not real Christians because the the person has no love. Well, their love comes goes first to their God as per the first commandment. Okay? And plus, you know, read um Romans chapter eight. Now there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No one could accuse you. Okay? Christ is the one who died. For our sins. Christ is the one who took our sins. You got to believe that. When the world comes around, tries to accuse you, you have to know by your faith and your true convictions that you stand justified in Christ. Because the world will do that. That's what the, the accuser of the brethren, that's what it's all about. Accuse the Christian of being unloving. Some people, when they do not set their house on a rock, They'll be quickly moved when those winds come because all it takes is pointing fingers, okay? And so they will let go of their convictions and they'll fall for it. Did not approve of this. Everyone would certainly know. You cannot say that now she can't say that she didn't approve because she was there, okay? The not approve part, that happens when you don't go. Okay, and believe it or not, she still loves her grandchild. Just because she doesn't show up doesn't mean she doesn't love her grandchild. And to say otherwise 
is to have bad spiritual and biblical discernment. Oh, Alistair Begg would not approve of this. But the fact of, of going, I would go. I would be grieved. I would be in prayer, okay? But I would go to support my friend and to love them. And I would show my face there, okay? And it, it doesn't in any way mean that I think what they're doing is correct. But I would go and I would show love. And believe me, most people, anyone that knew me at that wedding would be far more uncomfortable with me being there than, you know, than me not being there. Uh, in their ignorance, sure. But there's, there's ignorance to go around concerning people who would attend this type of ceremony. There's a lot that they're allowing, okay? And the sin of the world is their inconsistency, okay? They go to many people, liberal theologians, that conduct services by uh, lesbian women, and they're there, and they consider that holy, okay? So, you know, um, you can't guide yourself based on the knowledge and then the convictions and the in the in the consistency of the world, because the world by nature is inconsistent, okay, in their morality, because they make themselves their the moral standard. You're there representing God's moral standard, okay, and so uh, you can't appease the world. <laughs> I, I I don't know how how much to say that, but let me see. I'm gonna see if I could bring this to an end. Um, let me see where he says, uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah. Okay. So he's saying that you just can't at the 3405 market think he says you can't just stop with homosexuals. Well, that all depends on the issue. You have to make sure people, he says, you have to make sure people are hundred percent Christians. Okay. Let, let me go there because I want to hear 34. Let me see what, let me see if it goes here. 34. sexuals. You can't just stop with transgender. You can't go to any wedding unless you are certain those people are absolutely true born-again Christians. You see, that's that's the trajectory of bad what where bad theology will, will take you, okay? Because he's saying that, well, because he says that all sin is the same, the white lie or the little lie, or the lie of the six-year-old that said she didn't eat the cookie, is the same sin as um, Hitler. <laughs> you know, it's like, because he says that, um, now he says that we always have to make sure people are perfect before you go, uh, you have to scrutinize them this way, whatever. He can't make any distinctions in this case. And I think we, we, we went plenty into that realm to demonstrate the flaw in that thinking. Okay, so let me go back here. What else he, he says? Um, yeah, so, okay, so that's like saying you can't stand against this landslide of deliberate and targeted sin in the culture unless you know whether someone is perfect. That's nonsense. These are atheistic and humanistic arguments. They argue this way. He says, if non-Christians get married, you can't go 
to their weddings either. But that's a good argument for explaining holiness in the face of an evil culture, not letting things slide by lack of conviction. I would say if you're against someone getting married who you deem is not Christian, then perhaps you should be and not attend their wedding. Most people are in a lost state, but they don't flaunt that from the rooftops and are part of a controlled lobby to try to promote their lifestyle. But again, if you feel you don't want to support anyone getting married who doesn't confess Christ, then more power to you, right? So he goes into 1 Corinthians 10, 30, uh, 10, 23 to 31, okay? And his explanation of seeking the good of others is crazy. How can you seek the sinner, uh, seek the sinner, the good by being there affirming their sin and thereby demonstrating to them that his desire, his rebe rebellion, can thwart the truth of God. You presented that to them, okay? Because you're supposed to be a representation of God. So you end up being a stumbling block to them from feeling conviction over their sin. You can't say that's good for him. You being there at that wedding isn't good for anyone involved. It's not even good for the janitor, the cleaner, to be there in that situation because God's law is being mocked and you've come down from the watchman's wall and have stopped warning people. You're literally allowing the enemy entry in through the wall and saying, shh, you can't come through. Uh, you can come through, just don't make any noise. Okay? The main point this guy is missing is that it's not just about seeking someone else's good, but about one's own commitments to Christ and the truth. What about your own relationship with Christ? Your, the focus is a lot on the grandchild, but what about what your relationship with Christ? How much will it take before you sit back down when you should be standing for the faith? He's conflating the issue of eating prayed over foods to an issue which is completely transforming our nation and bringing us completely back to the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, completely ignoring all scripture that demonstrates how God treats things that are toheba, he calls abomination. Paul said false gods aren't a thing. They're just deaf and dumb idols made of wood and stone. But the Bible never demonstrates this same understanding concerning homosexuality, the eating of sacrificed foods, was bad in the scriptures, but the prohibition warnings and consequences for homosexuality were grave. Okay? Verse 28, if you look at verse 28, um, can be argued against this point completely. You can argue that if someone invites you to a homosexual wedding, you can take heed to this and do what it says. Don't go. It says, but if anyone says to you, this is meat consecrate, consecrated to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for conscience sake. Okay? Don't go to the wedding for the sake of the one who invited you and for their conscience sake. Okay? Because this verse demonstrates exactly what is wrong with going to the wedding. Why does it say for their sake? This assumes they recognize its sin. But the person in the wedding is going against their conscience knowingly because it's going against God. Why would conscience ever have to be taken into consideration if this has nothing to do with consequences? Think about it. Consequences. In Paul's example, there's not 
partaking of actual and real sin. But in Alistair Begg's example, he's participating, or the late or the or the lady would be, the grandma would be participating in actual and real sin. So it's not just him sinning, the grandchild sinning, it's her sinning, and all the more because she is representing, supposed to be representing Christ. And I feel bad for her because this she's doing it out of ignorance, okay? The food thing isn't really a problem because, like Paul says, there are no other gods, and idols are just deaf and dumb creations crafted in wood and stones anyway. But this wedding is an actual mockery and defilement of the very symbolic and spiritual union of the purity and intimacy of Christ, his bride, the church, as per Hebrews 10. The guy then sends, he says, you can do all to the glory of God. I say, that's in uh, verse 31 that he's quoting, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You can't send to the glory of God. Okay? You can't compromise on God to the glory of God. I say he's way far in a way of, from understanding this text. He's doing a one-size-fits-all on this text and missing the meaning of this. In the text concerning the judgment of eating the meal, there's no actual sin taking place. But in the example of the wedding, the ceremony is taking place, and it, it indeed is sin. Okay, And then he uses verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who is who in this way serves Christ is pleasing to God and approved by men. Verse 17 says, The kingdom of God is righteousness, but partaking in a public ceremony, blaspheming God's institution of marriage, isn't righteousness. And that being the case, verse 18 can't apply when it says that in righteousness, the person will be pleasing to God and approved by men. If you're thinking that this context means you can sin and be pleasing to God or compromise and please God and men, no, that's not what this is saying. It's obvious that it's speaking of good works. That's the only way both God and man will approve God's people. Unless you want to misrepresent the word of God to its fullest, Please don't think compromise will do anything except grieve the Holy Spirit of God. It's ironic how people can then speak on the union of marriage between the believer and Christ and completely not see it as sin to stand and partake in a ceremony that split that spits on God's institution by displaying a mockery of it in the presence of God. He says the kingdom isn't about marriage, yet the institution of marriage is the closest and most intimate picture of our union with God through Christ. So how can he say this? Okay? Um, yeah. So I want to, I want to. Uh, before I close, I want to read a couple of scriptures that demonstrate this trajectory that we should have in the back of our hearts and minds concerning persecution, marginalization, uh, ignoring mockery, all these things for the kingdom of God. In 1 Peter 3.17, it says, For it is better if God should... It, so, for it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing good rather than for doing wrong. First Peter 4.19 says, Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God must entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing good. First Peter 5.10 And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, strengthen, confirm, and ground you. 
Revelation 2.10, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Hebrews 12.14, pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. 2 Timothy 3.12, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Okay, so basically... That's the deal. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about compromise. Don't think that that we're talking have to be talking about straight up, um, what do you call that? Straight up uh, persecution and stuff. No, that's not what that means. That's not what that means at all. It means that we have to stand for the faith. We have to see what's going on in the culture, what's happening in our lives, and where we see uh, God erading, er er um uh, dying out in Christianity and, and our faith being attacked and, sh and this indeed is an attack we can see the numbers we can see the ruin okay along the way along the decades every day more and more we're called to stand in the evil day what is what does the evil day look like if you think that it's gonna look it literally looks like Satan himself coming chasing you down the road no it comes in all different forms Okay, and we cannot deny that. Okay, uh, we had a long one today, but I really appreciate you sticking to the very end. Okay, for those of you who have and will. Okay, so God bless. Keep praying. Like the Bible says, stand in, in prayer and in all prayer, stand on that evil day. Okay, because that day is coming and things are going to be getting worse. Things are not going to stay the same. All right. Uh, the trajectory of this persecution and this judgment upon our nation and the Western world continues on. Okay, so uh, like and share if you appreciate this, share if you care, and definitely until next time, uh, God bless you. Five, a podcast, blog, cultural commentary, and Christian ministry set out to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, to reach out to those who will have ears to hear by the power of the Holy Spirit. Check out truenews365.com for updates on blogs, videos, and more podcasts. And don't forget to share if you care. Until next time, God bless.